if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll try to help you to uh, master your biological evaluation reports or biological evaluation testing that you will be doing. And we'll try to help you to target or to understand what are the top mistakes that are done uh, within this kind of, uh, of evaluation. And for that, I have uh, peoples, two peoples from the group ICAR in France. So we have Laura Fuzari and Paul Fernandez. So Laura and Paul, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. So uh, just as a reminder, we had previously also the group ICAR with uh, Philippe Bourbon. Last time we discussed about a clean room. So how to set up a clean room, how to monitor a clean room and everything. So if you are still interested about clean room, you can uh, go to this episode again to, to look at that. So today with Laura and Paul, we'll discuss specifically about uh, biological evaluation. Uh, so Group ICAR is a laboratory that is helping, uh, if I can say it's customer related to um, tests that to be done. So uh, I think they have a lot of experience to, to share with us. But first, what, so just maybe a small introduction from, from yourself. So what exactly you are doing at Group ICAR, uh, both of you? Uh, so I am, and Paul is also a medical device safety and toxicological safety assessor. Uh, we guide clients uh, through the biological safety assessment process. Uh, and uh, for that, uh, I did, um, before entering Groupica, a master's degree in toxicology. Great. And you, Paul, the same? The same as well, master's degree in toxicology. And now I'm a risk assessor for Groupica uh, since four years now. Great. So I think, as I've said, you have some customers, so you are meeting with some people, you are reviewing some documents, you are doing all those things. So I suppose that you have um, a lot of, if I can say, experience in terms of guiding, helping, showing the right way, and maybe also trying to avoid some mistakes with those customers. Yeah, sure. It's our main goal in, in our job uh, every day. It's to guide correctly people and, and clients and to try to avoid the mistakes uh, we are going to talk about um, uh, today. Uh, these are maybe obvious for some listener uh, of the, this podcast, but if we saw so many times these mistakes, uh, it's important for us to, to share our experience and uh, what we have done in the past with, with our clients. Great. Um, just maybe as an introduction, because uh, we have sometimes some people in the audience that are also not maybe familiar with what is a biological evaluation and what, what, what it means exactly. So if we ask you in one minute, if I can say to tell us what is biological evaluation, how we can, um, why do we need that maybe and how uh, people should be complying to it. So how, how would you do that? 
I would say that it's a multi-process uh, thing that uh, manufacturers uh, um, are using to demonstrate that a medical device is biocompatible, which means that a medical device uh, will work uh, correctly uh, um, as per the intended use in the patient without creating any adverse effects. Uh, and the, the best way to assess for, uh, for biological evaluation is to, uh, is to use regulation, so the MDR, and uh, standards for biocompatibility, which are the standard um, 10-1993. Yeah, the, 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 the famous standard, if I can say, so it's not only one standard, there are multiple standards out of that. So we have the 10993-1 uh, uh, that is mainly the, the main the one to look at. And I, I'm sure a lot of people have looked at mainly at this one uh, because uh, there is this famous table that is telling you exactly <laughs> which test to do if your product is in contact with your uh, with the with the patients or not, and the time of contact and invasive or not, etc. So then it tells you exactly what to do. So I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the, this one. But behind that, there are a lot of other standards that are uh, that are explaining how to 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 make those tests also happening there. So. Um, if uh, uh, so, one thing also important: Do every medical device need this biological evaluation, or we have maybe some medical devices that don't need that at all? I would say that all medical devices uh, need to perform this biological assessment, and then within it, uh, you have to show that uh, you can ful fulfill all requirements if if you have a critical medical device, but if you have a less critical medical device, but we will talk about it maybe later, uh, then you will still have to perform the biological evaluation, but it will be lighter. But uh, so for example, let's say a software, a software doesn't need any biological evaluation. It's not touching the patient, but, or there is still a biological assessment to be done for a software, for example? Uh, for a software, it's, it's an exception, of course. The software will not touch the patient. But if you follow, uh, I would say, uh, uh, you follow the, the MDR, uh, the MDR tells you that you have to uh, ensure the uh, biological safety of your product if it's a medical device. Uh, software being a medical device, when you're going to uh, to check for this, this point, the biological safety, the answer will be very easy. There is no contact with the patient. Uh, it's a software, it's uh, uh, digital things, the evaluation stops here. You just have to say that no contact will occur with the patient, and so no risk, no uh, toxicity can be uh, applied to the patient because of this software. So a, a software don't need a biological assessment, a complete biological assessment, but you have to justify why. Exactly, yeah. And the process is based on risk analysis, so you still have to highlight risk and respond to them and show that you don't have probability to expect them or if they are present that they are here. Exactly. So mainly, yeah, the, the idea is to say that um, you have to follow all what is written on the UMDR, but we have also to have some kind of common sense and to say, yeah. yes, it's it need to be, you need just to justify that you don't need it. It's mainly exactly. that. That's, uh, uh, explain to me what you need. I like for people that are maybe uh, used to do the GSPR, you have a lot of elements in the GSPR that says not applicable, but notified bodies are saying, okay, it's not applicable. Expl explain to me why. why? Because maybe it's obvious yeah. for you, but for us who is making the evaluation, we don't know. So explain us why it's not really applicable for that. 
Um, so today we plan to, if I can say, educate the audience about the top mistakes that are done when we are when we are doing a biological evaluation. So uh, if I remember, there was around seven mistakes that you have uh, told me. Uh, so um, let's review them one by one and maybe we can evaluate if there is any question in the meantime. So um, those mistakes are maybe mistakes that you have noticed while you are doing this exercise with your customers or where, where you are doing your biological evaluation with the customers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Okay. <laughs> I think the, the most important part is uh, when manufacturers uh, do not begin or do not assess correctly uh, duration and nature of contact. Um, like we said before, a uh, basis for biological evalu evaluation is uh, the standard 10.1993-1. Uh, it sets um, a list of endpoints to fulfill uh, and it depends on the, the criticability of your medical device. Um, and for example, uh, for short-term medical device, uh, for medical device that are in short-term contact with the patient, you have uh, an amount of requirement to provide that is uh, less important than an implantable medical device. Uh, and uh, some points are sometimes missed by manufacturers. For example, uh, the standard states something that I think is interesting. It's a transitory contact medical device, which are medical devices that are in contact with the patient uh, with a duration inferior to one minute. Exactly, yeah. And uh, for this medical device, uh, sometimes you don't um, need, you are not required to perform biocompatibility bio testing. Um, on the contrary, there are manufacturers that think that their medical device has a limited contact time with the, the patient, but this contact is repeated for a certain period of time. And in final, it sets a larger uh, duration of contact. And so endpoints are, are longer. No, it's, it's clear, and I, I, this reminds me uh, when you are doing the classification of a medical device. Uh, it says, for example, a transient use is below 60 minutes, if I remember. Uh, yeah. Then a short-term use is between 60 minutes and 30 days, and more than 30 days is long-term use. And I know that some manufacturers say, okay, my device should be used during 50 minutes, so 5-0, and then replaced by the same device, and they think that it's just one-time use. But here we talk about cumulative use, and here is yeah. the same. So it's really cumulative use that is really important. Um, for this contact time that uh, we have, so... We're talking a lot about the patients. Um, are we also talking about the user, like the surgeon or this kind of thing, or not at all for this kind of, of, of products? Yeah, if we talk about um, the person that is uh, in contact with the medical device. So if you talk about um, um, a gown, for example, it's for a surgeon. They are the users, but they are, in this case, the patients. And so you need to do the test. For example, uh, a nurse that is manipulating a device each time, um, it's a medical device. Uh, it's then placed in a room. So we manipulate the, the device multiple times. So the, for example, the interface where there is a button, et cetera, there are some silicones or whatever. Do you have also to assess that as it's touching the nurse, you have also to have some biocompatibility with that? Or you can say, no, it's a common material that is used by anyone even outside of medical devices so then there is no need of making this biological evaluation you, you need to make the, the biological evaluation 
like we said earlier, it's a medical device. You have to do your evaluation of biological risk. Uh, the nurse in question, if the, the nurse touched the interface, uh, risk may be, uh, if we extrapolate, uh, maybe an irritation reaction on, on his hand, uh, sensitization, uh, allergy to material used to make the interface. You have to justify that, that this risk are managed or totally uh, absent of, uh, of existence for, 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 for the device. You can perform tests if you want, but you can just, based on documentation, based on uh, um, the knowledge of your material, the origin of this material, if they are maybe uh, of medical grade, it's not, um, uh, I would say that, it's not, the, it's not the only thing that will uh, be uh, used to prove your biocompatibility, but the, all these are arguments you can use to prove that there is no risk and avoid testing. For such device, uh, the requirements of uh, ISO 10993-2, uh, which uh, tends to limit the animal testing, uh, to, uh, to, to use in vitro testing uh, as, as much as possible, uh, go in this way. Uh, your device is not uh, a critical uh, a critical medical device. It's not implanted. It's used for a few amounts of time, even if it's uh, rep repeated uh, along the time. Uh, risks are easy to identify and sometimes really easy to manage only uh, using your, uh, your knowledge of the material. Uh, you don't need necessarily to conduct testing on an interface of... Uh, an in vitro uh, diagnostic medical device. Okay, I think it's great. And uh, yeah, so so mainly this this first kind of mistake of the time of contact is mainly is it like a, something that you see a lot, or it's just really rare that this is happening? No, it, it it's rare. It's okay. not that common. Manufacturers tend to have uh, set the duration and nature of contact before entering the biological evaluation process. And I suppose there are some specific devices that are really exceptional and sometimes it's really difficult to identify those timings. Yeah, uh, it can be the case when uh, uh, when you work with companies that are uh, manufacturing a newly, a fresh medical device, an innovative medical device, which can um, take part of device already existing. So this part, you know how to... Uh, uh, to classify uh, to classify it um, uh, according to uh, to, uh, to ISO 10993, but some parts are uh, in contact uh, in a different way or in a shorter way, or maybe this part is an accessory that you have to treat like a medical device. Uh, if we uh, <laughs> we mention the NDR, so sometimes in some uh, some cases you will have to classify different parts uh, differently. Uh, okay. and, and then assess each part uh, as it is classified by the by the by the by the standard, and not it's some something I I saw a few times. Uh, you have a, the most critical part needs uh, it's implantable. You need to to do uh, many tests, and so the manufacturer tells us uh, we can take all the parts and make all the tests on all the parts. Okay. All right, if you want, but first. You will maybe go to animal testing that was not necessary for some parts, and it's a requirement of the MDR and of the standard to limit as much as possible animal testing. And on the other way, it will cost you much more if you test, if you do a really long test on each part of the material. Uh, 
we are scientists at the beginning, and for us, the, the scientific uh, reflection is really important. But we are conscious that our our uh, client, our manufacturer, have money issue. Our uh, budget is really important thing. The economy is not very well in uh, all countries. We have also to have this in mind to guide them for the the most satisfactory strategy. Yeah, uh, yeah. most efficient. Strategy most efficient strategy in terms of uh, scientific value in terms of economic value no i mean i think it makes completely sense and uh, yeah and 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 this is also the idea here is also that the laboratories can help you and guide you in the right direction instead of uh, of you just thinking of everything just having maybe a discussion with your laboratory can can really help you mm. um the second issue what is it what is it uh, the second issue <laughs> i'm looking for right now yes uh, the data collection uh, okay Sometimes we saw manufacturers that uh, think, like we said, that biological testing and biological assessment, no, that biological assessment is biological testing only. Okay. Uh, in fact, the most uh, obvious part to begin with is data collection, because um, if you have a medical device and raw materials, then you have suppliers that have data on this raw material. Uh, and uh, with this data, we can need a literature review. So combining uh, supplier data and literature review can help in the assessment. For some medical device, it can be uh, the complete evaluation. And for other, it will guide to see what are the next steps. So um, <clears throat> when we say data collection, uh, it's prior to testing or after testing or what's what's exactly your your idea of data collection? It's completely prior to testing. It, it can uh, even uh, allow to avoid testing. Okay. It's uh, just um, analyze all the data you have in hand about your medical device that can set a proper identification of your medical device, which means. Uh, go through a listing of all raw materials, the quantity, uh, search in literature review if uh, these raw materials are known to be toxic for users, for animals. Uh, it's uh, uh, the first step. Are using uh, similar devices? Yeah. You, we can find it's re really rare to find specific data in the literature on uh, a device we are, we are evaluating uh, here uh, in ICAR. But it, it can be possible, or if you if you are looking for information on stainless steel, we'll have many, many, a lot of publication on stainless steel, and it's used, okay, in industry, but it's used in uh, medical uh, application. Uh, it's uh, known by compatibility. And uh, to go back on a point we mentioned earlier, uh, you can choose the material to make your medical device uh, by uh, using criteria that material is known to be biocompatible. Um, the manufacturer or the supplier of this material uh, said that uh, he, 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 he used a biocompatible, he, ma he manufactured a biocompatible uh, material. And the compilation of uh, this de data can be uh, a really good starting point on the biological evaluation before any test. But and, I, yes. I, I see also that... Um some manufacturers are using just this information of uh, initial to say my material is biocompatible 
so I don't need to do a biocompatibility test. So what do you say to that? It's it's a common mistake. <laughs> yeah. I will not say it's a mi- really a mistake, but it's a it's um it's an idea uh, many clients we have uh, have in mind, and it's not correct. Uh, if uh, um, a raw material supplier um, uh, claims an USP class six or um, a biocompatibility according to ISO ten nine nine three, that's great. Uh, that's obviously great, but. This don't, uh, do not take into account manufacturing process, cleaning, sterilization, contact with other material in, in your device. If you buy a silicone for your medical device, your device may be not completely in silicone and interaction between two types of polymer or material uh, can impair the proof of biocompatibility the supplier uh, uh, perform or, or prove uh, in the past. So it's a good point of departure. It will help us as assessor to identify the most critical toxicological risk and some that may be uh, discarded because uh, silicon is a medical grade, for example, but it's not an absolute proof of biocompatibility of your final device. And that's a mistake we saw often, uh, people coming uh, to us with an implantable device saying that it's a a titanium uh, prothesis, Uh, it's well-known, it's used for many years, Okay, uh, not a problem. We have data on titanium. We have uh, um, uh, feedback on such device, but your process may alter the, the material. Uh, have you uh, had, uh, have you any proof of its durability uh, in the patient body for uh, 30, 20 years? I don't know. Uh, all of the things that uh, uh, put your device in a real context, in a clinical context, are not taken take into account by the manufacturer of the raw material. Exactly. And, As you it, mentioned, so the oils that you are using for manufacturing or the heating, the process that is maybe yeah. modifying the structure or all those things are, you cannot copy that from another manufacturer no. maybe because it's something that is really proper to your company. So it is uh, difficult. But as you say, it's a good start, but mainly this is not something that uh, is possible. So, I hope this will help all the manufacturers that are listening to say, don't just say, oh, it's a biocompatible material, so my product is biocompatible. No, it's uh, there is also some analysis to do. So just just maybe to continue on this one. So uh, if the material is biocompatible, um, there is less tests to do or there is mm, the same amount of tests to do? Uh, it depends if you know properly your manufacturing process. Okay. Uh, as you said, if you can trace all the oils, all the cleaning agents that are used during manufacturing process, and your raw materials are biocompatible, then uh, depending on the contact of your medical device with the patient, it can be um, the end of your biological evaluation process. Okay. Uh, In most of the cases, uh, it's not the case. (laughs) And thus, you have to complete uh, what we are talking about, and which is a step called the chemical characterization. Uh, and you have to do testing. So you use the extraction process, which uh, is you take your device, you, you put it in a fluid, and you identify and quantify all the substances that can leach from your medical device. And that is the second step to complete the biological evaluation process. Okay. Based on this step and based on calculation you can do uh, with the result you obtain, then you can have your biological evaluation process finish or you have to complete with testing. 
So uh, as you said, the, the collection of data prior to do the test is really critical because it can help you to reduce dramatically yeah. the number of tests or identify maybe some something that can be helpful for you for doing that. So I think it's a, it's one point that is is really important here. Um, what is the next one? Next mistake that people are doing? Uh, so we talk about data collection, data generation uh, with the chemical characterization. It's a generation of new data missing, and then and then not choosing the the good test element. Okay. Um, so what the standards say uh, is that the test item should be in the same final form as your medical device and and at what the user is is exposed to. Okay. Uh, based on that. You have several strategies we can see from manufacturers. Some choose to test the final device. It's the easy way. Okay. But uh, for some medical devices that are way too big, for example, to be contained in the, in the vial I was talking about for chemical characterization and the fluid, then you have to do a representative sample. But whatever the, the case you choose, if, uh, whatever, if you want to test your final device or um, a representative sample, it will have to pass, and I think it's the most important thing because sometimes it is missed, it, it will have to pass all the manufacturing steps, including sterilization, in the same way your medical device is supposed to. Hey, just a second. Do you need an EU, Swiss, or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. So in terms of uh, uh, this, so um, we have some manufacturers that do some prototypes first mm -hmm. and then generation one, and then they, they, they do some tests and generation two. So... Um, and I suppose in, in, in between, there are some modifications maybe of design, of material, of things. So this is many of the things that can be, can be also the problem here. So your advice is mainly to wait until the end or to try even with the prototypes or with the generation one, because maybe it will guide you to the, the, the preferred, I mean, material to choose here. In this case, uh, we are, we can see. And, and we have seen uh, several, uh, several strategies. You can uh, develop a prototype and test this prototype as uh, it will be the, the final form to guide you on, uh, did I choose the right material uh, for my final device? Uh, does my cleaning process leave residuals or not? And does the, my process, my proto process, uh, are they uh, uh, okay for biocompatibility? You can do this, but uh, th those tests won't be representative of the final device. However, if you perform chemical, a correct and a complete chemical characterization uh, with uh, collecting data, generated data by um, uh, a chemical study uh, for extractable and inchable, for example, uh, on this prototype, when you will change change of prototype, you, you, pass, uh, you, you pass to, to phase two or a, a second edition of your device, which is not the final, you can uh, carry out another chemical characterization to compare with your previous data okay. and may, maybe state on, okay, uh, the new version, the, the V2, is safer. We, we use safer material, uh, better non-biocompatible uh, material, and the chemical characterization of leachable and extractable 
is uh, safer or uh, I would say um, cleaner. And in this case, and it's often what we do here, what we can say and what we could try to do is to define, try to define a biological equivalence between V1 and V2. And if we succeed, meaning that the two, the two versions are presenting the same risk or the version two is less risky than the, the previous one, we can use data on a riskier medical device to evaluate the, the, the cleaner, the new one. And by, by using tests uh, in the step of your uh, biological uh, um, evaluation, uh, you, you perform tests on each, uh, each step of the development of your device, uh, you will be able to maybe use those uh, R&D uh, data to, uh, to confirm the biocompatibility of your final device without testing the final device. But it requires uh, a lot of uh, work and to justify everything you do, to uh, notify, to, uh, to keep uh, all data you will generate during the, the development of your device. It is possible, but... It has a cost also. Exactly. To, uh, perform test each each time you have a new version, and maybe it's not the right strategy for each uh, each company. Uh, exactly. No, I think it's also, but it's also a good strategy maybe to mention that uh, yeah, using data from uh, different prototypes and and the history of this can be also helpful also for you to uh, to build first the right product so that yeah. we have no issue, and then also to prove that yeah, you are making some so some progress on your on your on your uh, on your products and finding also as you mentioned the worst case maybe so for the testing also. Yes, so this you, you is are documenting uh, you are documenting your development uh, as well. Your de the design of your device is documented by using. Uh, those data exactly okay next uh, next uh, issues uh, next issues will be um, to choose the, the not choosing the right condition uh, when you perform a testing okay uh, you, you have done your evaluation you have done your your chemical characterization and now you know you you're aware that some tests are needed uh, they, we will use the final device. Uh, it's easier. The okay. final device is the final one. It is sterilized. It is clean. It is uh, the, the, the device the patient will uh, encounter. And now you have to think about the condition in which this uh, device will be tested in uh, biocompatibility testing. Uh, people uh, tend to... Uh, here at ICAR to, to, uh, to give us uh, the, the choice of the condition because we had more experience sometimes than uh, the, the client we have. And we are uh, focused on the solvent you will use if you do an extraction, the animal, if it's an animal study, which animal uh, you will use. And if you can avoid testing animals, that's a really important point. We at ICAR uh, perform in vitro testing uh, alternative testing and also uh, in vivo, but we tend and all the industry tend to reduce this type of testing. So it's important to, uh, when a client come and say to us, uh, I want to do an irritation test. Now uh, we have the right and we have the standard uh, confirmation that for medical device, you can do in vitro testing. So first step will be, as uh, as we can see this device, uh, can, can it be tested in vitro, in, in vitro test? Uh, that's the first question. Then if you have to, uh, to evaluate a more complex device and that's implied implantation, uh, some 
really, really uh, big studies that can last for years and cost also <laughs> to, the, to the sponsor, um, we tend to adapt the condition at, to the, the clinical use of the device. It's really important that your condition of testing are as close as possible as the clinical use of your device. This means uh, if you have uh, contact with specific um, part of the body, for example, the nose, the mouth, um, genital reproductive or, or organs, uh, we can adapt a test to implant or to make in contact uh, with a device and uh, the subject at this point pre precisely to be uh, most relevant as possible for the evaluation. So I, I, I suppose that uh, in that case, uh, you have also, for example, when you receive products from customers that to be evaluated, you have also a set of questions to say which uh, condition it is used, how it is used, etc., so that you can also adapt your test for this kind yeah, of it, thing. It's, it's maybe the first question uh, we ask to our client. Uh, what is the contact? Where your device will be used and what, is, what will be the contact patient device? And... Maybe uh, also the, and we said the regulatory document we use uh, in our GLP laboratory, uh, the GLP uh, procedure uh, obliges us, uh, requires us to do this. We have to uh, check all the this point, type of contact, duration of contact, specific type of contact. Uh, it's really important if you have um, maybe uh, another example, but. Uh, yeah. uh, Okay. If you have uh, an indirect a medical device in indirect contact with your patient, for example, uh, for the extraction process, uh, or earlier I, I was saying that you take your medical device, you place it in a vial, and you fill it with a, an extraction solvent. But for this type of medical device, uh, sometimes filling is not the appropriate way to be representative of the clinical use because um, the, the contact is uh, only passing through, a, uh, I don't have an example of an indirect... Uh, a tube uh, or a, a catheter uh, that will not directly on. contact the patient, but yeah. the, the, the body fluid, blood or, or something else can pass through the, the tube and then contact the patient. You will not perform tests in direct contact with uh, cells or um, any animals. You will perform an extract by letting passing your solvent through the, the tube, like it will be used in clinical condition. Uh, yes, that's uh, one of the, the most uh, common examples we have. Uh, some Sometimes uh, clients are coming uh, with tests. Yes, we test the catheter uh, in direct contact with the, with the cells to test this, uh, its cytotoxicity. Uh, the tube was cytotoxic. Yes, because the, the external part of the tube is not intended to contact any... Uh, exactly viable uh, cells or tissue, and it's uh, uh, um, covered with a plasticizer, uh, which made it uh, shiny and, uh, <laughs> and nice. But uh, the part that interests us, it's inside. So we have to test the inside of the tube and not the, the, uh, the exterior. No, it makes completely sense. And uh, I suppose, yeah, it's, it's obvious now, but yeah, when yeah. people are thinking, they're, they're thinking, okay, yeah, let's, let's use it like that. But uh, you have really to understand how it is used so that you can really understand, as you said, to maybe use some solvent to, rem to remove some of those uh, leachables or extractables from, from the interior of the tube so that you can really test that part and mm -hmm. not test the external that is never touching. Because, yeah, the, the contact, 
uh, indirect contact or direct contact is also something that is uh, important. I know that we have worked on that, for example, on the tubes for uh, dialysis or this kind of thing, where the yeah. blood is going inside and then go uh, going back to the body. So yeah, the the fact is that it's the interior of the tube that is in contact with the blood and then goes back to the to the body. So uh, it's that part that should be uh, should be tested. Yeah, and. and- it, it made me think of a thing. Uh, Sometimes clients uh, test uh, for um, when they, they they have a test using uh, extraction for a tube, like we uh, we did uh, just now. Um, they put the tube in uh, in the solvent and extract uh, uh, some stuff that don't uh, be, won't be in contact with the patient. And uh, for us, uh, it's often difficult to uh, interpret those results because uh, the real part of interest is uh, completely fluid in the in the other uh, chemicals released by the external part and this lead led to maybe too much testing because yeah. we cannot uh, we, we cannot uh, correctly uh, assess the risk and so we, we told to tell to, uh, to our clients you have to do all the tests because uh, it's completely a mess uh, in the in the analysis. We cannot do anything. And when we tell us you can just let the solvent pass through the tube, they said to us, "Yes, but the, the standard do not stand that we can do this." Yes, but the standard yes. gives you example, gives you a way to follow. If you go a little bit on the side of the way, as long as you justify, and I think as you. Um, prove that what you've done is in favor of the safety of the, your patient, of your device, it will always be accepted. But it's also common sense that uh, should be used here. So it's, uh, I know that the standards are maybe not perfect, but at a certain point, you have also to use some some of your, of your yeah. common sense for that. Um, so, okay, next uh, issue. Oh, the, the, the fact that a biological assessment is not a one-day process yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good one, this one, because, yeah, everyone say, oh, can you accelerate that? Can you make it shorter? Can you, I will say more, but give give it shorter. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not yeah, and uh, the fact that once it's uh, performed, you can use it uh, until uh, you can use it forever, but <laughs> you cannot. Uh, you have to know that uh, your biological assessment is something uh, you can do and we can do at one time but it will evolve, it has to evolve with regulation, uh, the MDR, uh, with updates of standards, uh, and and even these updates on this regulation are based on uh, what are evolving in our society. For example, we were were talking before the MDR of nanoparticles, of CMR substances, of um, endocrine disruptors, and then now they are in the MDR and you have to assess that in your biological assessment. So it will not be a frozen time process. Uh, apart from these regulation issues, it will also evolve if you change your raw material in your medical device, uh, if your supplier change, because yeah. a small modification in your medical device can lead to a big important change for the patients in the end. So I, I suppose I suppose also, yeah, if, as you said, if your supplier change, uh, mainly uh, you have to redo maybe some of those tests you ha- or you have to justify why you should not redo some of those tests. Oh, yeah. So there are a lot of, of those things. So um, I suppose also that 
maybe it's better when there is a change of uh, supplier. This should be already on the plan to make this testing before to really implement the change or to really buy any of a new product. So, and here the, the, the duration of the test should also be taken into account to say, yeah, it may be a six weeks process before you can get an approval for that. So you should not like uh, think it's just a one day process and then you will be uh, yeah. moving forward. Um, okay. Is there any other issues here? I think we are, uh, uh maybe two. Two little points. Yeah. Uh, two. That is not mistakes, but it's a point that often um, manufacturers are not aware of, and okay. we prefer to talk about uh, it here. Uh, so, uh, so the people uh, will know. Uh, some endpoints in the famous table of the ten nine nine three dash one are. Uh, not uh, check in the table. Uh, yeah. It's a case for degradation and reproductive toxicity and developmental toxicity. That not, does not mean you don't have to evaluate uh, this point. You have to consider it if your device may be induced those risks or may uh, degrade into the body. That's point. The, the more and more uh, we see um, feedback from uh, uh, notified body. Uh, Asking to 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 manufacture or medical device, uh, did you um, did you assess the potential for po uh, toxicity to reproduction or the, the the potential of degradation of the device? And the client uh, said to us, "I'm not using my device in any uh, sensitive population uh, for for the stable toxicity. Uh, it is not intended to degrade into the body." Yes, of course, but you have to tell and to show that you consider this endpoint. And that there is nothing to do if your device do not degrade, if uh, the targeted population are not uh, pregnant women or uh, really, really young child. Uh, you have many uh, other ways than testing to uh, prove that you have considered this endpoint and you have managed the risk associated to, to, to this endpoint. Um, for, I think, uh, I, I think it's, it's, always, it's always this. Uh, so... Um, it seems obvious for the manufacturer, but you always have to have a justification why yeah. this is fine or why this is... As we said, the auditor will ask you, uh, have you done this or have you done that? You can say to him, oh, it's obvious because of this or that. And you say, okay, where is it written? Where have you justified that? Do you have a document that proves that you have considered this case and that you have decided not to do because of that, that, that? Mm. And this is mainly the thing that... Uh, as you said, the specific test that should be should be done, um, we think that no, it's not needed. But at the end, you have again to have a justification or a document that is explaining that. And then we add to, to this point that some uh, we, we have many uh, uh, clients that come to, to us with uh, when we when we ask what is the targeted population for your device, and they said everyone. Oh, okay. Oh, all, all <laughs> means. Uh, newborn babies means old people, mean immunodepressed people, mean pregnant women, mean everything. And when we tell, oh, no, 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 just adults, uh, okay, be precise. If you tell us just adults, we will perform evaluation focusing on this population, general adult population with any problem, without any problem of, uh, of health, without any disease. If you are producing a medical device specifically for pregnant women, that can, uh, can occur, okay. We will focus on toxicity to development for the for the infant for the for the the, the newly born babies. We will focus on this point, but often the clients yes, it's all population. All population mean child and adults. But be aware of 
tiny population, tiny sensitive population, we often uh, forget and need to consider in the evaluation. So it's it's important for you to have all those details so that you can adapt the test yeah. to be done. And once again, we can, with uh, the most data, the most pre precise data we have, the less test will be performed for the for the, the, the client. Uh, just maybe uh, to 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 emphasize on that. So, uh, have you had already some customers that were not maybe specialized on all those things, and they are just coming? Here is my device. Test it for whatever you want, and give me the results. So that is fine. So, do you have some kind of yeah those yeah, kind of manufacturers? It, it happens. It happens. It's rare, but it happens. And in this case, I. <laughs> It's my favorite client because we have to explain us, we have to educate us, like you said earlier, uh, on the, the importance of biological evaluation and explain to, to, to the client that we are not here to, uh, to take your money and tell you to go do testing. No, we are here to follow the regulation, uh, make the document we, we provide to the client in compliance with the regulation uh, in order that the client will never come back to us Asking for uh, for refund or asking for correction, uh, we are here to to guide the, the, the if the the person does don't know nothing on the regulation. It's a pleasure for us to to, to explain and to uh, to initiate the, us to uh, them sorry um, to the medical device world. No, it's great. Um, the last mistake. Uh, what was it? Yeah, it's a. a Again, not really a mistake, but a, a really important point is where you want to uh, put your device on the market. Uh, we talk about MDR in, uh, in this podcast, which is the European regulation for medical device, but uh, Europe is not the only uh, market in the world. Huh? Exactly. And, uh, and many of our clients uh, want to go uh, to USA, to North America, where the FDA, um, is the authority that uh, puts your, your device on the market. Uh, both both um, markets are, uh, how we say, uh, uh, guide, uh, guided by, uh, is, uh, have guidance on uh, the biological evaluation. Standard ISO, uh, ISO 10993 <laughs> apply uh, in, uh, in Europe and in the USA as well. But the FDA uh, often goes um, beyond the recommendation of the standards. Uh, I would say the FDA is often tougher than the Europe to uh, to accept medical device biological evaluation. And uh, thankfully, uh, FDA provides to all manufacturers and to uh, to everyone uh, uh, a guidance, a document, we, which called the uh, FDA guidance on ISO 10993. Okay. Uh, and this guidance, uh, updated in 2020, uh, gives the specificity of FDA. Uh, for example, they uh, ask for specific condition of extraction when you perform a biocompatibility uh, testing or chemical characterization uh, using three solvent instead of two uh, we are, that are accepted in Europe. Some tests must be performed on uh, using a specific methodology uh, in cytotoxicity, for example. They require XTT tests uh, rather than uh, blue tripon tests uh, that are often used in Europe. Some technical differences that we are aware and some specialists are aware, but the FDA gives a guidance on that. And I think when you can 
uh, give the link to this document uh, to, uh, to the people listening to the podcast. It's a free document uh, published by IDA. There is no, no. Sure, let's put that in the show notes and that uh, people can can get that. But yeah, you yeah. are right that uh, uh, there are some specific requirements. So if a co if somebody comes to you without telling you that maybe this is a biological evaluation for this country or that country, um, maybe those tests results would not be accepted by those yeah. countries, I suppose. So that's also an important point to uh, to tell us when you first meet with us when uh, when we start uh, working together is where where are you going to put your device on the market is it the USA is it Europe is it Japan is it uh, all uh, all the, the the continent have uh, their own regulation we can uh, follow of course we can follow the standard of ISO that available all around the world but some countries have specificities and you have to be aware of this. Yeah, and sure. We have to know it to uh, to guide you uh, as well as we can. No, it's true. I'm, and um, yeah, I, I know that, for example, for 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 other elements, uh, for other testing, yeah, they have different standards. They have different temperatures. For example, sterilization yeah. uh, in the yeah. US, the sterilization process is different than in Europe, etc. All the guidance are different, so you have to do the testing for the different temperatures, the different timing, the different things. So, so yeah, it's true that uh, that this is also something that is important. So. Uh, so yeah, don't hesitate to go if you go to Group ICA or to any other laboratories to have uh, an understanding of what is really required. I mean, I hope that uh, within the, all, all those mistakes that we talked about, um, people have now an understanding of what exactly they should provide as an information so that uh, they can save some time, be efficient, maybe save some money also. Uh, because mainly, yeah, this is the idea also to um, to make um, this process really efficient. And for that, so uh, Group ICAR, what else are you doing? I mean, apart from doing biological evaluation, what other services you can offer for uh, for the customers? Uh, so before beginning any biological uh, safety assessment process, we can guide manufacturers uh, throughout this process. Uh, we can also uh, write biological evaluation reports that will compile every data we talked about in this podcast in a report that will um, conclude on the safety of the medical device. Uh, we can analyze uh, chemical characterization data, which means that we can analyze uh, data you already have, collection of data, and, you, and we can analyze data you generate through chemical characterization or biocompatibility testing. Uh, we can perform worst cases on if you have a, a range of several medical devices and you want to uh, establish uh, which medical device can uh, can be the the example of all your range to be assessed. We can do that as well. We can do anything. Uh, yeah, it's, it's already it's already a good list here. So really, this is uh, <laughs> something that uh, a lot of of manufacturers are are, are needing and. Uh, and uh, yeah, as, as we talked uh, last time, so yeah, Group ICAR, you are not only for biological evaluation, you are no. also working in the different field like sterilization, like uh, testing, like... Uh, uh, do you have also, uh, as we talk about biological evaluation, uh, are you doing also the test on animals also directly? Uh, Group ICAR uh, performs all, most of the tests uh, required by uh, ISO 10993-1 in the table. Uh, most of the tests are done. We have an in vitro lab who performs cytotoxicity, uh, irritation on uh, uh, skin, so uh, reconstituted uh, human skin, uh, all type of gynotoxicity, hemocompatibility. And on the other end, we have uh, in vivo laboratories 
when we can perform irritation, sensitization, systemic toxicity of any longer, uh, any uh, duration, sorry, acute to chronic, and implantation, we have a, um, a train, uh, a train um, team uh, who can uh, perform implantation in rabbits or in rats, depending on which type of uh, device you uh, you want to evaluate. No, it's great. Uh, I mean, I, I think, I hope, yeah, people will be contacting you directly when uh, there is any need for, for that. Uh, and I, I we talked before to, to register this uh, podcast, we talked about also a webinar that you are planning. So maybe you can yeah. tell us more about that. So uh, we talk about medical device here, but ICAR uh, provide evaluation and provide uh, services uh, in other um, domains, such as uh, uh, chemistry. Uh, we are... Um, planning uh, for the 21st of February um, a webinar on the chemicals and alternative testing. So uh, how you can uh, do your regulatory test on your chemicals without using animals as required by the European uh, regulation and as it's also uh, <laughs> also the case in medical device. So um, the, f the next webinar will be on chemicals and alternative testing and I think, uh, no, I don't want to, uh, to say a uh, mistake on who will uh, present the, the Yeah, no problem. I mean, I, I will put, all, uh, you send me also a link and I will put that on the show notes and then yeah. people can go Perfect. directly and, and register if they really want to ask. It's free. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, about 30 minutes of presentation and 30 minutes of uh, question with the um, the viewers. So go go ahead, check, uh, check it if you're interested. Great. Okay, so um, thank you very much. Um, I hope, yeah, all the information that we provided was helpful. And as I've said, yeah, you can see now that uh, Group ICAR has also the right people to help you uh, to perform this kind of process and help you for all the biological evaluation. So don't hesitate to, to contact them. I will put all the information and the details on, on, on the show notes uh, for the profiles of uh, Laura and uh, Paul, but also for the website of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Group, ICAR, uh, Group ICAR website. Yeah. Okay, Laura, Paul, so really thank you for your, for your help and the information and I wish you a nice day. Thank you, Monir. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.